the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR stories from over the last week. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today, I'm joined by Dan Cave, Head of Content at Executive Grapevine Digital Media. How are you doing, Dan? I'm very good, thank you, Sophie. And I, um, it's a pleasure to be back on my favourite HR podcast. <laughs> I'm so glad you added that there. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's great to have you back. So like a large portion of the country, we're still working from home. So we are dialing in remotely for the purpose of the podcast. We do apologise if the sound quality isn't as optimum as it could go, but we are still dedicated to bring you the latest topical debates within a short HR podcast. So this week's episode of the podcast, and we're going to talk about a very serious issue about structural racial inequality at work, focusing particularly on the experience of black employees at work and in work structures. This has been shone into sharp relief over the last few weeks and the the news cycle has largely focused on the protests that have arisen on the back of the killing of George Floyd by an American police officer, a person who is now facing a murder charge. As well as civil protests which have reached all over the UK, lots of organisations have taken to social media platforms either to participate in the Blackout Tuesday campaign which took place uh, recently or to show support and solidarity towards those campaigning for the rights of black employees. And whilst, of course, it's positive that organisations are supporting the Black Lives Matter movement in public, I think there will now be questions regarding what they are doing to actually support black colleagues at work. And in 2018, the Equality Rights Human Commission did an in-depth analysis of existing evidence, which showed a worrying picture of race inequality. For example, one of the, the top line stats that the study found, among other things, was that Unemployment rates were significantly higher for ethnic minority groups at 12.9%, which compared with 6.3% for white people. And a key takeaway from the research was that employment was identified as a distinct area that needed improvement to move the racial quality dial forwards. And actually, Dan, I think you've got some more stats around this sort of topic. Yeah, I do. So obviously, um, starting a podcast or doing a podcast on uh, the experience of uh, black employees, as well as as well as other minority ethnic groups at work, it's good to look at the stats to see what is the lived experience here. And before I get into the stats, I think there's an issue with the way that the stats are collected on experience of minority ethnic groups at work. And this this came out the back of a study last year, which came from Harvard Business School and was written up in the Harvard Business Review. And it's from American academics. So this data is, is American and the example is American, but I think it does have a lesson for the UK. So academics Katie Woollett, Shannon Gilmartin and Caroline Simard published a joint article after some research saying that actually the way that we collect diversity data can actually create other diversity issues. So for example, in the stat that you just gave, you said ethnic minorities, and that stat grouped them together when actually they're saying that that can create some kind of obfuscation around the experiences of different groups, such as if we put, and we do this a lot in the UK, we put the BAME group, Black, Asian and minority ethnic groups together, 
you lose the experience of black men or individual black women or various different ethnic groups such as Bengalis. So actually, there's something there that shows us as well as grouping together to look at different representations in the workforce it's good to drill down properly into specific groups or and there's a lot of call for this at the moment get qualitative data so survey people speak to the ethnic groups that you want to look at to see what their experience of work is that said there is some data that does exist uh, at the moment specifically for black individuals in the workplace and some of it for the wider BAME grouping so I think and, and this showcases the the stark battle that HR has on its hands and that business leaders need to get better at. So this came from Green Park last year. They're a leadership recruitment firm. They found that in 2019, actually BAME representation on on the boards that they were uh, researching fell from 2018. It fell by over a percentage point, which is worrying. But it's not just the BAME grouping that we've got data on. Government figures from 2018 show that, and worryingly so, that black workers were the most represented ethnic group in low-paid work, and the black ethnic group also had the lowest percentage of individuals in managerial, director, or senior roles. I would say, whilst this is representative of larger structural inequalities in societies, ones that HR organisations themselves can't be fully held account for, um, such as access to opportunity in education. It does raise questions about what groups organisations are reaching out to when searching for new talent, how they're couching the language and how they're directing their recruitment drives, what unconscious bias exists within organisations, uh, what role models and career pathways do exist, etc. Again, this is where qualitative data can help. HR almost needs to like speak to is black employee based there and say, what is your experience of all the things we look after, such as what is your experience of work? What is the experience of recruitment? How are we helping you progress your career? All of the things which HR can own. Um, I'm going to add another caveat to that as well. If HR doesn't start to own this and properly use this moment to analyse what the workplace exists within does look like along structural racial lines, um, it could get even worse. And it's because we're now in the coronavirus working world where based on recent Department of Health figures, BAME employees, particularly black individuals, are dying in much higher rates than white individuals from coronaviruses. And this could create an even bigger structural divide in terms of opportunity gap and different ways in which black employees experience work when we're expected to come back into work because there's the added health danger. And that is shown in the hard stats for black employees. So, yeah, that, that's kind of what, what I gathered from the evidence we have thus far, that it does show that black employees do have significant disadvantages. And we can't argue with their data in the workplace. But HR probably needs to start getting better at doing some of the qualitative analysis to properly show how, where it can improve. I guess to take it one step further, really from a legal perspective, I just wanted to um, bring in the 2010 Equality Act. I mean, according to ACAS, under UK law, the Act legally protects people from discrimination in the workplace as well as in wider society. And before the podcast, I spoke to Jonathan Maud, who is the chair at a law firm, Veda Price, for UK and Europe um, of the Employment Law Committee, essentially just to find out what 
responsibility employers have under the Equality Act when it comes to racial equality at work. And he said that, of course, employers do have an obligation to ensure that the workplace is free from unfair treatment and prohibited conduct towards a person on the grounds of a protected characteristic such as race. And he said that race is a protected characteristic and is defined to include colour, nationality and ethnic or national origins. And he explained to me, unfair treatment or prohibited conduct includes direct or indirect discrimination, harassment or victimisation. A person harasses another if that person engages in conduct related to the protected characteristic, where the conduct has the effect of violating dignity or creates an intimidating, hostile, degrading, humiliating or offensive environment. Um, and in addition to the legal advice that we received, I also attended a virtual event last night called The Role of HR and Black Lives Matter, which was a truly informative and interesting discussion with Samina Amin from the CIPD Birmingham Committee and Mayokan Alonge, who is the CEO of the Equal Group. And partway through their discussion, obviously they were talking about HR's role within the Black Lives Matter movement, they actually launched a poll for the participants that turn up to the session to find out how comfortable they felt discussing race as part of an HR team. Um, and the results revealed that just under 50% feel comfortable. In addition, a second poll revealed that 42% don't feel confident in terms of being able to deliver meaningful change to break down barriers for race inclusion. So I will just add that these poll questions were conducted at the beginning and the end of the presentation to see if feeling changed after the, the presentation of the content and the discussion. Um, but of course, there are many ways that HR can help, which Dan is just going to discuss in greater depth. Yeah, thanks, Soph. So I think one of the things that everyone will have seen, um, regardless if you're interested in the wider business or HR world itself, is that over the past week or so, Businesses have been really, really public about their support for the Black Lives Matter movement, for racial inequality, which is all good and proper, as you said at the start of the podcast, Soph. But there's going to be a question now, and it's already being asked about, does this actually translate into internal organisational action against racial inequalities, such as things like ethnicity pay gaps and opportunity pay gaps, and improving the experience of black employees? For one, high-profile firms such as Condé Nast, the publisher, Amazon, which everyone knows, and the NFL, the American sporting body that oversees American football, have been accused of essentially like PR washing what they actually do do internally in terms of they're probably not so good at addressing racial inequalities, yeah, for essentially to brand their company in the right way. But whilst HR might feel that this is good, there's a question to be asked about what this does in terms of engagement for all employees, not just black employees across the board. Last year, I covered business strategist Graham Kenny and some of his comments that he wrote in the Harvest Business Review saying that if you create a corporate purpose or in this instance, say that you're supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement. And if you don't have company actions to back it up, it creates an incongruence. And he says this, that makes it hard for a firm to state that they do care. Obviously, your internal employee base, especially your black employee base, if you're putting out all this supportive documentation, they're going to be like, that doesn't happen here. That's going to create an awful disconnect. Hi, my name is Daniel Cave. Head of Content at HR Grapevine. I'm interrupting your usual podcast listening to tell you about our inaugural virtual HR event, HR Technology, A Brave New World, which, perhaps obviously, is all about HR technology and digital ways of working and how you can utilise these aspects to drive people-powered business results. 
whilst boosting the profile of the HR function you work in. Hosted on July the 1st and July the 2nd, it will feature live chats with subject area experts in payroll, employee experience, engagement and automation from companies such as ADP, Bridge, Ceridian, Cornerstone, Glint, Oracle and Sage. What's more, they'll be networking with your peers and presentations and virtual fireside chats with leading HR names, including speakers who've presented at TEDx and Davos World Forum, as well as HR leaders from BP Launchpad, GIFGAF and CERN, as they talk through everything that is digital well-being, the online employee experience during the pandemic and what engagement really means. It's going to be two days that you can't miss out upon. What's more, it's free to register which you can do so now or after you finish listening to this week's podcast by heading to virtual.hrgrapevine.com. That's virtual.hrgrapevine.com. And with it being virtual, you won't even have to leave the spare room, home office, kitchen surface, or front room coffee table that you're currently working on to be able to attend. Stay safe, guys, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. But now I want to focus on some of the things that firms can do to create those receipts to ensure that even if they're putting stuff out into public domain, whether it's on social media, whether it's comments in newspapers, et cetera, that they are doing some things that are good. So I recently read a, a blog post from Suk Pabiel entitled Systemic Racism in L&D, which is, is quite a shocking headline. But essentially, Suk looks he looks at L&D and how because of it is part of a bigger system of work. Uh, which upholds, consciously or not, racial inequality. He says it's got racism built in. There's a there's a wonderful quote that he he, he writes in this blog piece, um, which is we and I think he's talking about HR and people who have positions of responsibility and power in business. We are incredibly guilty as a profession of fooling ourselves into believing that because of the work we do, that we are somehow immune to things like systemic bias, systemic racism in particular, not affected by either conscious or unconscious bias. It's a pretty dramatic statement, but one that I wouldn't disagree with. So then he looks at solutions for basically getting rid of this bias, um, or as he says, racism. He looks at L&D specifically, but actually I think that his thinking can be applied to absolutely everything that HR owns. So, and, and again, it wouldn't be right for us here to, to say, and you know, our listenership are going to come from a variety of different companies who are going to be have a variety of different schemes in place and maybe a variety of different things they can or can't do. But I think this is applicable to everything that HR owns. So I'm going to go through some of the things that he says. So he says when you're designing something, whether that be an L&D product or a recruitment process or a leadership career pathway, um, look at including voices of people of colour or specifically black people in this this instance in that design process. And that is that's just the start of it. So when you, you then you're delivering that, ask questions such as how accessible is it? measure that accessibility, look at why certain groups, in this case, ethnic minority groups or, or black employee base are attending or engaging or not in, in the delivery of these products. Look at what blockers exists. He also then looks at the wider systemic issue. So firms might go, oh, yes, we've got a head of DNI and they do X, Y, Z. He says, make sure it's not just the responsibility of a certain figurehead or a, a small group of people, but it's built into the mentality of the organisation. He also recommends, and this might be the most uncomfortable or difficult one for a lot of people, but is probably the most simple one and one that then sparks a couple of things that I've just said that Suk recommends, is speaking out. 
if you believe that there are bad things happening against black people in your, your organization and you are not voicing that thinking, you are complicit that those are the words of suck. And this is perhaps where organizations might struggle as it's going to force difficult conversations regarding company culture, what their leaders are doing or not doing. Again, there are other things which can improve the delivery of all things in business, such as networking. Make sure your network is diverse and in- includes black employees and then measure your organization and then ask questions such as are you being self-critical enough when you're delivering projects and in all your actions in the workplace i think importantly as well he talks about tokenism which is something that many firms fear when they're going about doing a dni project especially if there is a hard target in place i know many big firms have very aggressive targets regards dni in place but yeah, that firms shouldn't fear this it's about actively thinking about inclusion and correcting mental habits that have traditionally been in place, such as, you know, hiring people that look and speak like you. So yeah, it's about wider true inclusion. And I think he finishes that as well. You've got, uh, and this is something that HR should take away, be hopeful and be optimistic, which I think it, it can sound wishy-washy, but actually you've got to do this with the mindset that things are going to get better and get better for your black employee base. So I guess that that's the theoretical and that's the structural. So if I know you've got an example from Twitter, who you recently spoke to about some practical ways that firms can get better. Yes, um, a few months ago, I spoke to Twitter's Amir HR lead. This is before the Black Lives Matter movement started to gain traction again. She was basically telling me about the business resource groups or BRGs that operate at the firm. So they are, for anyone that doesn't know, they're employee-led groups comprised of Twitter employees who volunteer their time and skills to create inclusive committees that are built on mutual passions. Um, And among other groups, they have uh, Twitter Blackbirds, which is a group for employees of the African diaspora. Um, And essentially, it's a really great way for people to have their voices heard and for different committees to learn about one another and to have that solidarity within the business. But unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content. Whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market leading research papers. So to sign up to our daily content newsletter, which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit www.hrgrapevine.com. 